Redeemer and Sanctifier. When the royal entourage enters the great hall, you know the monarch has arrived. The grand procession slowly wends its way down the vast hall. At the head of the procession is a verger, followed by a myriad of spiritual leaders. Behind them are colorfully dressed international guests of honor. Finally, the sound of trumpets herald the arrival of the kingdom's monarch. Elaborate gestures of respect. A signet ring of the finest gold adorns the monarch's hand, and a crown of priceless jewels, an orb, and a scepter all sit waiting on beautiful purple pillows on the altar. The century is irrelevant. It may be the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II in 1953. It may be what we imagine to happen next year when King Charles is crowned king. Or it could be the third century procession for the Emperor Constantine. A king is a king, a queen is a queen. And when royalty enters, you know immediately who the monarch is. Today, we celebrate the majesty of Christ, also known as Christ the King, yet there is an ironic twist to this title. The truth is that whatever we think a king should be, we do not see that kind of king in Jesus of Nazareth in Matthew's Gospel today. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, stands accused of crimes he has not committed. He stands silently before Pontius Pilate, the governor, and Pilate asks him rather pointedly, are you the king of the Jews? We might imagine that question asked in a sarcastic tone. Jesus' reply is a non-reply. You say so. Then the chief priests and elders rain accusations upon Jesus. He says nothing in response. Pilate's soldiers take Jesus into the command post and then, surrounded by an entire cohort of military, which at that time is 80 men, this would-be king is further humiliated and tortured all alone. Where are the king's men? They have fled in panic and fear, probably hidden somewhere in Jerusalem, except for Judas, who has taken his own life in what they call the potter's field. Where are the ladies in waiting? To those in power, it matters not. The women are irrelevant in that time, yet they will stand watching from afar as Jesus suffers and dies on a cross. At the first breath, a young woman bore witness to the light. At the last breath, a much older woman and her friends bear witness to the light of Christ in a dark world, but not how they anticipated.
This light hangs in humiliation, dying. On this day of darkness, Jesus hangs on a cross in stark contrast to the monarchs who hold both spiritual and temporal power in the first century. Cruel men strip Jesus of his clothes. They beat him, although Matthew doesn't tell us this. We learned that in the other Gospels. And in crude and cruel parody, they drape a purple robe across Jesus' shoulders, shove a crown made of thorns on his head, and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling, they mock him, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they spit on him, grab the reed out of his hand, and hit him on the head with it. Taking off the purple robe and putting his own clothing back on, they marched the prisoner off to the local garbage dump, for that is what it was, forcing Jesus to carry the instrument of his own execution, the crossbeam of a cross. So, no one in that scene recognizes Jesus as King and Savior. No Christus Rex here. This king gets no respect. Instead of good wine, the soldiers offer him sour wine, supposedly to dull his pain. Jesus has refused to speak on his own behalf when he stands before Pilate, and now he refuses to take the wine and vinegar they offer. Soldiers carry out military orders for the execution. Meanwhile, Pilate works in the office and then goes home for supper. The church leaders do their everyday work in the temple where worshipers gather. The world goes on. Meanwhile, the soldiers at Golgotha wait for Jesus and other men to die on crosses scattered around the area. Weary of this constant, gory death duty, they make crude jokes and roll dice in attempts to ignore the bloody, ugly scene. They're just doing their job. Kings have power. They command respect. They are not helpless. Yet this man on a cross, born of a human woman, has been stripped and beaten and rejected of all. At his final moments, his followers are gone, and the women must watch from a distance. Jesus even wonders if God has abandoned him. Yet this Christ is a king. It is true we never really find a triumphant Christus Rex in any gospel, Instead, we read about a poor carpenter from a very insignificant Galilean town. Instead of wearing a crown, this king wears a tunic and sandals. Jesus does not grow up in a palace, nor does he ever live in any kind of luxury. He does not groom a well-educated heir as successor. On some level, you could say this king is a vagabond, a homeless prophet who roams from one small village to another, living on the kindness of strangers. Jesus' followers include a despised tax collector, a political zealot, several blundering fishermen. 
his mother and a few devoted other women, and a treasurer who steals money from the group's common purse, and then who betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. What a group! This would-be king does not act like a king. He preaches, he teaches, he uses agricultural examples in his sermons. He heals all kinds of people. He sits down to supper with people who are not socially acceptable. Not one of them would be invited to a state dinner, much less seated at the head table. This would-be king believes in self-denial, not self-entitlement. His ideas of God's new kingdom include servanthood, washing someone else's feet, being last instead of first, losing self to gain oneself, loving another person to the same degree that we love ourselves. After only three years, this non-king and his teachings threaten the status quo so much that he is considered too dangerous to live. It only takes three years. Those in power cannot ignore a leader who stirs up people with truth, with a capital T. We like them to believe what we tell them, even if it's lies, lies, and more lies. Yet if we follow Jesus and come to worship him, we really need to know the Jesus we follow. We cannot just ask, what would Jesus do? Instead, we must go and do what Jesus did. Feed the hungry. Give a coat to someone who is shivering in the cold. Find a shelter for homeless folks. Help them get a permanent residence and maybe medical help. Jesus shows us the way to real deep life lived in God's truth and love. He chooses to show us that the way to God's kingdom is not found by making a way down a luxurious red carpet not wearing purple finery and priceless jewels, but in serving others. If you would save your life, you must be willing to lose what it looks like now. This kind of king is painful to see, difficult to hear, and almost impossible to follow, especially this time of year. At this time of year, we want to see Christ as the sweet, innocent baby Jesus who brings love and light into our dark, cold winter world. Yet today, the ironically titled Majesty of Christ here at the end of our liturgical church year reminds us that the ultimate story of this king includes suffering and death. This story requires you and me to pay attention so that we do not look in the wrong places for the King of glory. The truth is, he lives among us this day in the poor, the uneducated, the homeless, the hungry. He lives among us in our own homes, schools, offices. 
This king loves us. Whoever we are, wherever we've come from, no matter how much or how little money or power or academic degrees we have. Jesus has come to sit down to supper with you and me, our friends and our families. On some level, I believe that even in his last moments of human life, this Christus still had faith beyond all faith, hope beyond all hope, that God was somehow in the midst of this chaos, this cruelty, and this pain, that God's love would triumph at the last, that the Jesus of history would somehow become the Christ of faith that through the centuries, those of us who would follow Jesus would recognize him when we see him, whether that is on a cross, in the faces of our brothers and sisters, in hospital beds, in the prayers, and in the breaking of bread at the table. Our King is here with us today. Do you recognize him?